Good morning, everyone. My name is Sam McVeigh Jr., and I am the self-appointed best friend of Dennis Turner. If he's not told you, I'm telling you, okay? Um, I'm kind of bummed this morning a little bit because Dennis and I were going to share together. We were going to co-preach for the first 10, 15 minutes, and then I was going to share for 20 minutes a word that he wanted me to share. And so, uh, but Dennis is sick today. He's got stomach flu. I got a text at 6 a.m., and he'd been fighting through it, and so kind of bummed about him uh, not being here today. So let's, uh, let's uh, I, which again, I, I probably is better because he'd go on and on about how much he respects me and... I've taught him everything he knows, you know what I mean. So it's better, we can just focus and not bring attention to me, because I hate that kind of thing. So, um, But I'd like to take a moment and just pray for Dennis. I sure love that guy, and we want to pray for him. He doesn't get sick very often, so let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Brother Dennis. We thank you for what he has meant to all of our lives and uh, means. And we just ask now for your healing touch upon his life. Lord, I praise you. Psalms 103 says that we're to bless you with all of our souls and because you're the one who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. And so we pray you heal our brother. You would drive virus from his body, that you would strengthen him so he can be back up and moving this week. Lord, we miss him this morning. We pray you bless him right where he's at right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, more seriously, uh, again, uh, my name's Sam. My wife, Amy, is here with me today. We have a picture of our family. Amy and I have been married for 27 years, and we have had nine children and 11 grandchildren, 10 on the ground and one in the cooker. And so that is a picture of us. That's Grandma Amy right there. That's still shocking to me. So, um, but that's our family, four married and out and moving and having babies and four at home and as I pointed out before, the little guy to my right that's holding my hand is named Joshua, and he's a four-year-old uncle 11 times over, and so he's having a lot of fun with, he has no idea what his life is like, so, uh, but we just are so blessed in our family, and we have been uh, married for 27 years and having babies, planting churches, making disciples, doing mission stuff, and right now where we've landed is that we are part of a ministry called Disciple Nations. And Disciple Nations is a nonprofit ministry that's kind of an umbrella for, uh, it's an association of churches or house churches in the region. We're very organic. It's so fun to talk with Dennis because we have different styles of ministry. We meet with other brothers that have different styles, but we're so locked in on Jesus together. But we uh, have an association of churches, house churches in the region, equipping bases, four or five of those to, where we kind of equip people. Um, mission, we have prayer ministries. Um, where people are praying daily in the mornings and the evenings, and we just love, love prayer. We're working with the Wichita Prayer Movement and with some other cities helping facilitate prayer, and uh, we have some mission leaders that are coming on full-time. I think you might remember uh, Nasser Ahmad, our Saudi Arabian brother that came to Jesus. He came and shared with you, I think, this last uh, Palm Sunday. He's on our team. Um, John Smith, who was saved in prison, a meth murderer guy who was born again, and he's just a mighty man of God. He's on our team, and about 13, 14 others. And so we just really uh, are, are committed to the supremacy of Jesus filling the whole earth by igniting movements of disciple-making and prayer. And that's really all we do, and that's all I do. I get to preach here and there, but mostly what I do is disciple leaders. I'm just, we're one of disciple leaders 
locally and internationally that will then multiply and make other disciples. And we love prayer meetings. We've uh, been praying for years by the grace of God. And I'm just the ADD worst person ever to be a prayer guy. But the Lord has just by his grace called me to pray. We've prayed three times a day in seasons. There's just been thousands of prayer meetings that have kind of formed and forged our hearts. And that's really where I met Dennis. Um, and it was in the middle of the Wichita prayer movement. And uh, that all kind of came about when I was, in, uh, I was in China doing some mission stuff. We work in, um, in Asia and India and I uh, was in South Korea working with some international partners to focus on uh, North Korea. Then flew up to China, was in a hotel with a brother from our city named Steve Miller who runs a ministry called China Harvest. And we were recounting all the things that we had remembered through the years that God said about our city. And as we were in that hotel, my heart was so stirred. I was there to focus on ministry on North Korea and, and to meet underground church leaders in China. But I kept thinking about prayer in Kansas. And I felt the Lord say in my heart that there were global consequences for what we did with prayer in Kansas. And so I got on the plane, came back, and began to meet with little pockets of prayer leaders that I knew had been being faithful with 10, 20, 30 people just to challenge them and ask them, would there be some wisdom to us gathering together to pray together at certain seasons? Stay faithful at what we're doing, but let's get together as one, one body in the city. When I came back, much to my delight, there was a rising tide of grace for people to pray together. How many of you are aware of the Wichita Prayer Movement? Yeah, wow, a lot. Dennis has done a great job. So um, basically, uh, I came back and found the Holy Spirit had been stirring people. Dennis and Stan from Eastminster had been gathering pastors for six to nine months before, went to some of the prayer ministries that had been laboring for quite a while, and there was, again, just a grace to pray together. So we gathered in October of 2015 for our first prayer meeting. I don't know if you know that, downtown was 70 leaders and had a tremendous night. And I thought, man, this is revival. This is awesome. We'll just keep doing this for quite a while and hopefully others will join us. Well, it kind of grew, if you, as you may know. By the next meeting, there were 250 people. Then it went to 350, 500 until the sixth prayer meeting we just had was at Tabernacle Bible Church at, uh, on the 17th Street in the inner part of the city on a stormy night. Did anybody be able, were you, anybody able to go to that meeting? Yeah, it was a, a stormy night in a prayer meeting, and over 900 people showed up to intercede in our city. Isn't that great? <laughs> I've quoted this, and I quote this to our people, and it's just, um, I mean, it's classically known that the least attended meeting in the body of Christ is the prayer meeting. People go to teaching meetings, they'll go to other kind of meetings, and those are all great, and please go to those, but showing up for a prayer meeting is a, is a challenge sometimes, but God is changing things in our days, and I'm so, so excited about that. So, Dennis and I were going to riff back and forth for 10 or 15 minutes about our relationship, what's going on, but what I'm going to do now is just kind of share what he shared uh, from his heart that he wanted me to, uh, to, to give to you. So, I want to stay in the theme of what he's been talking about, run the race, Run the race. I love the theme that Dennis has been preaching. I listened to a couple of the sermons, and he launched off of the verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance that has been marked out for us. I love that focus and that call for us to discern our destiny and to get our lives focused so we can obey the will of God in our lives. And I love that every time I've heard Dennis talk about this, he's referenced the chapter before. The chapter before the Hall of Fame of Faith where it talks about people who had done mighty deeds by faith. And um, it, it talks about accomplishments in the first part of the chapter 
But what's so awesome is it gets to the end of the chapter and talks about those that are unnamed, many of them, that lived by faith and they were sawn in two. You remember that? They were beheaded. They, were, they, were, they didn't get what was promised. And it says that the earth was not worthy of them. And my heart swells every time I read that. And I know that sometimes in the Western church we can have celebrity. You know what I mean? And people get famous. But the most famous people in heaven, I believe, will be the martyrs. It'll be those that gave their lives away for Jesus. And we've known one of those. I've got a picture here of a, of a brother. If you would have read Voice of the Martyrs in the summer, this last summer, this is Pastor Hahn. We met him last year. Actually, my friend met him. I had to fly home for a daughter's graduation, but my friend went over and met him. And this, is, this guy has uh, got a ministry on the border of China and North Korea. China's the num I mean, North Korea is the number one violent place against believers for 15 years in a row. And there's a porous border on that north side, a river, where North Koreans who are starving to death and oppressed get across. And this pastor and his team, 50 house churches and 500 believers in a, in a worship place, they would take in these North Korean believers, feed them, strengthen them, medicine them up, get them healthy, lead them to Jesus, then they would train them and equip them and send them right back into North Korea. Many of them knew the odds were high that they were going to die for the faith or they were going to suffer in jail, but they trained them to give their lives away for Christ. It's an amazing thing. My friend came back and said, I don't even know how to process the intensity of what I saw in the secret equipping places and how they trained these North Koreans to give their lives away. Currently, right now, there's 50 to 70,000 North Korean believers in prison, and they're being brutally uh, treated. There's about 400,000 believers underground. We know of 2,000 house churches that are underground in that area. This guy has given his life away to that. He's in his early 40s. Got a, got a wife and two kids. This summer then, one year later, June of 2016, he got a message, and there's all this kind of clandestine, secret ways they communicate, and some guys that were North Korean agents fooled him into saying that they had secret information about a couple that he had trained that were in prison. They met him in a Chinese city uh, at a secret place. He thought they were up to good, they were up to no good, and they brutally murdered him. That's shaken us to the core. He's been an amazing friend of our friends that do ministry in this area. And he gave his life away for the sake of the gospel. People like that inspire me. How about you? They stir my heart. My brother just got back from Africa, Mauritania, and the Islamic bases area, and into Egypt, and met with people that have been arrested in multiple countries, lost everything, and been beaten. I was in South Korea two weeks ago, again, with an international partners as we were working on mission, and uh, stirred that I was sitting at, t at the table, and in the room with people who had been arrested and tortured in China, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. I'm amazed by God's people and how they run to the front line and run to the fire when they're filled with the Spirit of God because they're impassionate about the glory of God. These people inspire me, and I'm so glad that Dennis is bringing that before you, and we've known these people, and it's an amazing thing. Dennis asked me to come and share a bit of a kingdom report. We're so excited about your transition from east side, which is going to be the habitual way to say that. Yeah, I know. Um, to moving to Christ Church. I was so thrilled to hear this. Dennis told me a couple months ago about it and about his experience and how this was going to happen. And I was just so stirred because I felt like it was a blessing and a sign and a wonder to the city. 
And I want to just say that uh, before I get to that, that uh, we're, you live in an amazing generation. I think you live in the most amazing time in human history. This is the, the end of days is close. The coming of Jesus is at least closer than it was. If it was, right, if it was soon, 2,000 years ago, it's sooner or sooner or us. It's really, really close that Jesus is coming back. The population is exploding on the planet. I know there's wars. I know there's diseases. But this is the greatest moment of gospel advance in human history. Prayer ministries are exploding all over the world. In the 1980s, you could just find maybe a handful of 24-7 prayer ministries. People that were really giving themselves to prayer. Now, today, we know of at least 10,000 24-7 prayer ministries all over the planet. And some of them in the most dark places. And most of those have arisen up in the last decade. In the last decade, there's just this swell of intercession and prayer all around the world. I mean, in places like, obviously, Israel and Iraq and all through Europe and through Africa and North Africa, these ministries. And many, I bet, there are many more that are underground that we don't know about because God is moving his people to pray. And when God's people pray globally, millions of them crying out for the kingdom of heaven to come and to visit earth, God is faithful to answer that thing. We see gospel advance like we've never seen before. More people are coming to Jesus every day than ever in human history. More Muslims have come to Christ in the last couple decades than the last 14 centuries combined. Some estimate that 16,000 Muslims a day are being born again. Six million a year. Isn't that something? Dreams and visions are falling upon them, and they're, just being, they're, they're, they're coming to Christ. We had a brother, uh, Nasser, who's been in France twice now, and uh, in Germany, in Germany, there's a million refugees, Syrian refugees that are there, and they're having dreams of Jesus. They're on the move, and they're showing up at churches and saying, tell us about your God. It's a mass harvest right now. We know of one guy, an imam connected with some of our guys in Egypt, that just uh, not long ago led a service on a Friday. Uh, he's a, a, an imam. He was a, he's, a, he's a Korean, uh, what am I trying to say, a theologian of the Koran, and he... Um, is connected with the Muslim Brotherhood. He does the service on Friday, walks out of the mosque, and has a vision of Jesus and is born again. Tremendous, powerful thing happens. He's leading Muslims to Jesus secretly and is telling people he believes he's supposed to lead a million Muslims to Christ. We just heard the story last night of a nun, a Christian nun in Alexandria, Egypt, who has 40 house churches of Muslims. She's leading to Christ. Two other guys that are working as teachers are down a little more south in Egypt, and they have 400 house churches that are just multiplying disciples everywhere. This is a great day to be alive. God is doing amazing things all over the planet as missions is increasing. And it's a great day to be in Kansas. This is a great day to be in Kansas. The greatest days ever in Wichita, Kansas are before us, everyone. There are people that prayed for decades. I know them, I've talked to them in the 60s and the 70s, and a wave of answered prayer is coming to bear on our generation right now. I know of Earl Pickard, I don't know if you know that name, and people that were in the 80s and 90s that walked this city and prayed and prayed and prayed for revival. They fasted and they prayed, and that has come upon us right now. These are great days. As I was in, uh, as that story I told you, the prayer movement taking off is one of the great signs to me. One of the other great signs is Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. I mean, you guys all seen this guy? This guy comes out of Minnesota. He had a dream job, he told me. His wife had a dream job. She had to quit the job, and he said, you know why I came to Wichita? I felt like it was a calling. 
He gets down here and takes what could have turned into bedlam. He turns it into a barbecue. Did everybody see that? A man of peace, and it goes global. It was the most watched video in the nations because he was a man of peace. And our city is supposed to be a city set on a hill that inspires the world to peace. Amen? While violence is breaking out, God is wanting to give a different message. And many, many more signs are rising up. I don't have time to tell you, but you guys are one of those. You're one of them. I told Dennis, I said, Dennis, this is more than about you. I'm glad you're obeying. You had your little dream and vision in your recliner, and you're obeying, and your elders have said yes. That's a great story. You're going to be blessed because you obeyed, but it's more than just about you, brother. The Lord Jesus is taking his church back, and that he's naming this Christ church is a message to the city. I want to thank you as a congregation and elders and all for obeying the Lord, for getting in agreement with the Holy Spirit because great days are before us and you are a sign and a wonder to our city and I appreciate every one of you. You're in our prayers. May the Lord bless Christ Church. Amen? Great days are before you. Dennis and I were going to share. He gets sick and doesn't come. I got a sermon I put together last Thursday, sent him the notes, and the Lord last night at midnight changes my mind, <laughs> changes my heart. Because it was going to be kind of a good word out of Nehemiah. It was decent. But he wanted me to talk more personal to you. I want to take just a few moments that I have left and speak a blessing over you guys. Is that okay? The Lord spoke to my heart about you and about Dennis and Kathy. Kathy's back teaching. So I'm going to skip the Dennis and Kathy part. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on to uh, this issue of you guys. The Lord lifted up Isaiah 61 in my heart about you guys. You remember Isaiah 61. That's the passage where Jesus quoted in Luke 4. And he, and he fulfilled it where it says, the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Remember that? To bind up the broken hearts and set the captives free. There's that whole passage. It's an amazing passage. But there's some verses down there that I felt like applied to Christ church specifically. I believe that Jesus is doing these things in you now and wants to do them through you in the future. So I want to speak these five blessings to you and then pray all over you guys as a congregation. Number one. May Christ church be a place of kingdom transfer. After we go down through the passage, we see that the ministry of Jesus will end up producing a people. And what will happen is he will do this ministry to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Love this passage. Love the songs that are about it. I believe this place is and is to be a place of kingdom transfer. There are many in this city that are living in the ashes. They are living in a culture of mourning and depression and despair. But the Lord wants to lift them up and transfer them and give them the oil of joy, the crown of beauty, and to give them a garment of praise. And I think you're just the people to do that. Number two, may Christ's church be an unmovable testimony of the glory of the Lord. I believe that your history, which is amazing, is just a testimony to the glory of God. And I think it's about to get better. It says in, this, in, in Isaiah 61 here, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I remind you, and I think you know this, that God's not about making Christ church famous. He's about making his name famous. He's about his great name. Malachi 1.11 is one of my favorite passages. And I've prayed it a thousand times. The Lord says in the middle of priests bringing him blind animals and all their leftovers. He says, I know you're doing this, but I tell you this thing. My name will be made great in all the nations. Pure incense and offering will rise to my name in every place, from the rising of the sun 
to the setting the same. God is committed to advancing his glory. Amen, everybody? No matter what the enemies, no matter what even the lukewarmness of his people's hearts, he's committed to making his name great. And with great zeal, he is going forward and doing this all over the nations, and he is rising up Christ church to display his splendor and his glory. And I know Dennis and the team are committed to that. Number three, may Christ church be a mighty agent of restoration. Scriptures say here, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. May the Lord use you in an anointed way. May you be restored and may you release restoration. Generations, I'm telling you, the, the amount of wreckage of families in this city that are just, I mean, just devastated by sin. It's just overwhelming. We're the minority in the city. You do know that, right? The church is the minority. The majority are people that are rejecting Christ. And then even in the church, you've got issues, you know, because we all sit here with some issues. There's so much brokenness. But I believe the Lord wants to use you to rebuild the ancient ruins, to raise up the gospel, to raise up the fullness of what God wants to do that will affect families and generations and even change a city. Number four, may Christ Church be a place that ministers supernatural finances into missions. I'm still astounded, and I love the story, but who buys a piece of land for a couple hundred thousand dollars and sells it for $4.7 million? Only Dennis falls into that kind of stuff. That's a sign. I told him the other day, because he's got other financial things that have happened in his life, and I was just speaking to him personally. I said, Dennis, brother, I'm telling you, God is going to prosper you and prosper Christ Church. I think millions and millions of dollars are coming in so that you can fund the work of missions in the earth. I heard in my spirit, is clearly going out of my back porch one day three years ago. I heard the Lord say, in my inner man, I'm going to make millionaires out of men and women who will live like the middle class and fund the work of the kingdom. I believe that's going to happen with many of you in here. He's going to make millionaires out of you, but you'll choose a different lifestyle so that you might fund the work of the kingdom in the nations. I believe God's going to prosper Christ church. Money's coming, and it's not so you guys get shinier and bigger. It's so you can fund the work of the kingdom in the nations. There are business people in this room. You've had favor on you your whole life, and it's about to get bigger. I really believe that. And I'm not just trying to do flattery. I think favor in business is coming and finances so that you can fund the great work of the gospel in the nations. It says, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations and their riches you will boast. Number five, may Christ church, lastly, experience a double portion season. And please listen to this one because this is pretty personal. I want to say something to you. It says, instead of your shame, in verse 7, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. I love this passage. Because I'm a guy who literally loves Jesus and really wants to get it right. But I'm also a guy who stumbles and struggles and gets distracted here and there. I'm a guy who wants to be better at walking out my faith. I'm 39 years into walking this deal out. And I love him more, and I'm more in than I've ever been. I think I'm getting better at walking out purity and holiness, but I still stumble and have an attitude and have a thought and have a thing that caused me to feel this word shame. Anybody know or felt the word shame before? Guilt, guilty consciences. This scripture is so beautiful because he says to them, instead of shame, you're going to have a double portion. 
I'm not, I'm not just going to come through with my normal deal. I'm going to like double bless you in the middle of your shame. Because here's the deal, and this is the reality. God does want holiness and purity. But lovers of God sometimes struggle with the world and struggle with the sin. And then the enemy comes in and begins to remind us about that. Anybody have this experience? And we end up having amen services with the preaching devil who says, you failure, you wasted your time, you did this thing, and we'll go, yeah, you're right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody in the room that's screwed up in the last year say, oh, my. I'm going to narrow it up. Anybody that's screwed up in the last month say, oh, my. (laughs) And I can get to last night, right? This is a big deal. It's a big deal. We got to figure out how to get free of shame. And I'm telling you that the Lord is wanting to come with first son double portion love and grace within your life. And I want to say this. Most of us run from the Lord when we're dirty. When he says to us, run to me when you're dirty. The best time to run to the Lord is after you failed. Quit trying to clean yourself up. Quit trying to get better so you can get him to love you. He already loves you. The prodigal's trying to come back, and what's he see down the road? He's sick of the pig. What's he see? The father's looking and coming at him. If you'll look up, prodigals, if you'll look up, shame-filled people, your papa is pressing in on you. He's coming after you to set your heart free. Because if when we were sinners, Christ yet died for us, we were enemies, how much more that we're sons and daughters of the living God having a few struggles here and there. Isn't that good news? I got nine babies. I wish I could tell you they've all been perfect. They've been little rat snots at times. It's just, I mean, they get some stuff right. I'm snug, I love to snuggle my babies. And then they'll get down and have an attitude and touch the thing I didn't want, you know. I never, ever stop. I'm disappointed, but I never stop loving them. Do the discipline, grab them, hug them, and kiss them, and let's get going again. If I do that, how much more our Father in heaven? I believe with all my heart in this room that there are people here that have habitual addictions of shame thinking. Habitual addictions of guilty consciences. You think that way. You think constantly God's mad at you. And I'm telling you, he delights in you. He, loves, he doesn't delight in your sin. I'm not saying that. But he loves your heart that loves him but struggles a little bit with it. In the Song of Songs, chapter 1, I love it. The, girl, the woman says, remember, I'm dark yet lovely. I'm dark. Uh, I've got my messiness. But I'm lovely because the beloved loves me. I want to leave you with one primer principle before I pray for all of you and for Christ Church. And this will be so helpful to you if you would discipline your mind. I want to encourage you all to practice getting your mind off of thinking about all that you're not and get your mind thinking more about all that he is. Sanctification and freedom and maturity begins to happen when you get your mind off of all of your failings and what you're not and regrets. You repent quick, confess, and begin to think about all that Jesus is for you. I think it's the only way that you get set free. Praise God. He says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And it begins to radically set you free from your self-obsession because we said this at the last service. 
Yeah, you're thinking about you when you're bragging about the great thing you did. But you're also really thinking about you when you're thinking about how bad you are. Either way, you're thinking about the wrong thing. We're to set our minds upon the Lord Jesus and his perfection and his righteousness. Does this make sense, everybody? Praise God for his blood. Praise God for his love. Praise God that he pursues us not only when we're good, but he's coming after us when we're struggling with bad. I want to pray over you guys a fresh word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Christ church. I pray for every individual in here first, that there would be a sweeping, strong revelation of the grace of God. I pray a fresh revelation of what the blood paid for. Anyone in here, I pray, ask that is trying to pay for their sins with feeling guilty or doing good works, set them free from that bondage and let them know that you've already paid the price. Pray if there's anyone in the room that has not received the gospel and been transformed, I pray today would be the day of salvation. But I pray for these, the many believers in the room, sons and daughters that are living like slaves, would you revolutionize their lives and set them free to walk in sonship? Thank you that we can come to you when we struggle. I pray that we'd have power together, Ephesians chapter 3, to know and understand how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. I pray that your kindness would overwhelm us and lead us to repentance. Lord, set us all free from habitual shame thinking and let us receive the double portion of grace that you want to pour upon our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.